the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're, we're back and we're live and you're listening to I Am Real Estate 970 and uh, I'm here with Stephen Moranis, a real estate analyst from Canada. And obviously a big thing today, of course, is interest rates. And as I said 10 million times, they don't seem the, well, let me put it this way. The average interest rate over time was about seven, a little seven and a half. So... They're kind of average, even though if you compare them to during the pandemic when they were two and a half, three percent, they seem very high. Um, but my advice to you, it's hard work looking for a house. And when your realtor calls you and tells you something's new on the market, you've got to go quick. And you have to have everything in order. Your finances, you should be pre-approved. Okay, you should get there right away. And... Um, the good news is that people are more flexible now. I'm not saying they're giving away anything and there's no steals, but uh, a year or two ago, you didn't have a shot if you didn't have all cash. So there is some, some rooms and buyers and sellers can, you know, talk through, talk through things. I mean, you should have a good realtor too, okay, because... I, I think that people think, oh, you know, when I started the real estate business, I remember they told me, oh, Dottie, show them three houses. Show them a good house, a medium house, and a bad house, and they'll buy the good house. Well, it was never that easy. It's hard. It's financing. It's sometimes you have a husband and wife that totally disagree. Um, uh, sometimes there's relatives that are helping out, and of course, they usually have their two cents in. So it's a lot of moving pieces, but at least you're able to at least speak to a seller and try to, to negotiate. And remember, as a seller, uh, not that you want to take something way lower than you want, but at the same token, before you listen to only price, make sure you listen to the terms. Because the terms and the down payment, okay, and when they can move in, those are all very important issues to look at when you're thinking of purchasing a house or selling a house. Uh, because they count just as much. The economy as a whole, high rates could bring some, they, have, they can bring some welcome changes. I mean, there's always something good about something it happens that's not so good. So I guess you could say, well, 
I'd rather have a 3% mortgage than have a 7% mortgage. However, okay, if you are somebody that wants to put money in a bank, you're going to get a higher interest rate. So that's a plus out of that. And the pace of homes still remains rather steady. There's been a lot of lasting effects from the pandemic, okay? And some of them, I think I was talking to Stephen before the show, and Stephen, tell me if it's the same in Canada. I mean, we, we feel that hybrid work is here to stay. Uh, people are trying to get people back in the office every day, but it looks like probably they'll come up with some compromise. Um, demand for office and... What, yeah, what do you have in Canada? Well, we've got the same um, issues uh, and challenges that you have in the United States, both residential, commercial, sort of, uh, you know, hybrid work work uh, realities. People don't want to go back to the office. Um, you know, a whole bunch of things like this, like that. And, you know, it's, we're going to have to work through through them all with solutions. And there's Definitely, you know, people are looking at living their lives in a different kind of way, um, you know, not going to work five days a week. And um, it, it's it's got, you know, it's got consequences and the solutions aren't out there clear yet. Yeah. Now, the ripple effect of hybrid work are that, you know, that there are a lot of office spaces that are available. A lot of residents during the pandemic left urban cores and shifted their shopping elsewhere. For example, New York City, their, its urban core lost 5% of its population from mid-220 to mid-222, and San Francisco lost 6%. Urban vacancies have shot up. Foot traffic near stores in the metropolitan areas remains 10 to 20% below pandemic levels. Demand for office and retail space in superstar cities will remain below pandemic levels. And uh, it looks like they're saying that's going to uh, last till about 2030. Of course, that's just predictions because real estate is very local and demand will vary substantially by neighborhood and city. Cities and buildings can adapt and thrive by taking hybrid approaches to themselves. And so when you're looking for a home, you, you have to kind of don't mix up all areas, find an area like and try to stick to it. Uh, when the COVID-19 pandemic began, it drastically and dramatically changed the way people worked. It changed the way people way people live and shop in cities around the entire world. The starkest change was where and how they worked. Obeying lockdowns and office closures, tired of uncomfortable masks, and enabled by remote work, technology made employees abruptly retreat from traditional offices to home offices. So home offices have become big. Many of these new employees found freedom from their daily commutes and if you don't have to commute to a city every day, um, you're able to move further out. And usually the further out and away from the city you are, the cheaper the prices. So again, when I go back to that must-haves and haves, uh, you've got to kind of make that list. What do you really need to have? And what do you want to have and you'd like to have? 
but you don't have to have. Okay, that's really important because no house has everything. Well, and, and Donnie, let me just add, you know, owners of office towers in the urban core and downtowns in general need to reinvent their properties. I mean, these places must become destinations with new purpose, say, by offering unique experience that will necessitate a visit. I mean, whether it's healthcare, concerts, festivals, sports, hospitality, dining, these are some of the ways to attract um, people back to downtowns. And, um, you know, it's going to also ensure, I don't know what it's like in New York right now, but Toronto, we have such a terrible traffic problem and congestion with gridlock. If you don't improve oh. transportation, both, both public and private, um, and a welcoming attitude, there's no way people are going to go, want to go downtown. I mean, you can't. You can hardly drive three blocks in Toronto in less than a, in less than twenty minutes now. It's ridiculous. No, it's kind of like that in New York, but I think hybrid work is here to stay, and uh, office attendance is down. And so I don't think that's going to change. I think you just have to reinvent the way you, the way you do it. People um, are shopping in smaller stores. Um, and remember, during the, pa the pandemic, up to seven, I think it was, I'm trying to remember, um, I think it was like a fair amount of percentage, like left and moved out to bigger spaces. I think 7% of the people in urban cores left for good. Some of them came back because they missed it, but some of them didn't. Um, well, Dottie, our latest column in the Financial Post this week was uh, there's still a way to save downtowns from becoming dead zones. And I posted this on LinkedIn and said we should all be listening to Petula Clark. Song, oh, Downtown. Down. I remember that song. I loved it. That is, I posted that on my LinkedIn post with our column. I've got a few thousand, uh, uh, you know, um, people who liked it. And, I mean, we got to be just more upbeat, more positive, and more uplifting about changing what downtown means and should be and, and the excitement and the energy and, and all the stuff, and you know, which we've lost, unfortunately. I know. And, and of course, the, who expected, you know, when COVID hit, I thought it'd be here about a week or two. But, of course, it 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 lasted a lot longer. And um, it it changed the way people shop. I mean, it, and, and, and a lot of the big department stores and the big stores are really down a lot because people started buying online. I mean, I never went to Amazon before the pandemic. I don't know about you, but I've really never used Amazon. And especially no, with the clothes. I, I like to try them on. I like to see how they look on me. Um, so people are shopping a lot online. They got to do it during the pandemic and then they got used to it. So it's hurt retail stores. And then when you had lockdowns and people weren't getting out and, you know, in New York City, well, there's traffic. There's always traffic in New York City. But during the pandemic, I remember I have pictures. I wish this wasn't radio and I could show you them. I walked during. I walked in the city. I swear to you, it looked like a ghost town. There wasn't a car there. Now it's filled with traffic. 
Okay, but it was really a big switch. And people got used to it. And it changed the way people work, live, and the way they shop. And, you know, I don't think there's going backwards. I think people are trying to get people back to work every day. But uh, I think that we're going to end up with some hybrid, you know, some, some, some combination of it. Okay, I don't think it'll ever go back to, unless you have to be at a job five days a week, or I think it'll come back to, like, some version of it. What do you think, Stephen? I, I totally agree, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to need some time and attention and uh, creative um, solutions. It's, it's going to take some time because the pandemic, you know, kind of knocked everyone out and, and changed our value system of, how you want to live and how you want to work. I mean, if you can, if you can be just as productive and have more free time and live in the Hamptons, why would you want to live in Manhattan? Well, there's a lot of good things that I do, and I, when I'm ready and I'm prepared to do it, you'll see. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell all our listeners because I am going to do the upside of New York City because when I listen to the news. Um, I just hear, I mean, you hear it about, I mean, you hear it about every city that's big. You hear all the negative things, all the horrible things, and I guess that's what sells papers. But nobody writes the good things. And I remember I was probably about, I don't know, 30 or something. And um, I was living on Long Island then, Stephen, and Long Island was going through a horrible time. I think it was in the 90s. And... Um, I made a column that was called The Upside of Long Island. Everything was, they were trashing Long Island. And I put anything good that I could find about Long Island. And it got such tremendous response that the paper said, hey, it looks like you're a writer for the paper. You have to change your, your, uh, your column to look more like an advertisement because um, it was too positive. And people were just happy to hear some good things because... Not everything is horrible, and people are still nice. And I can just tell you this. The traffic in Manhattan is still bad, okay? There's a, and you see a lot of young people moving to Manhattan. You know, and I, and I think, and this is just my thoughts. It's not a fact. And I always tell you when it's just my, my, uh, my impression, I think you're seeing a lot of young people come back to Manhattan. I think that the people that uh, were older uh, and probably were going to move out of this out of uh, New York to get to a warmer climate anyway might have done it a little bit earlier. But, you know, they still come back and they, they miss their families. And that's another downside that you have to look at. If you move out of the state and your family is, all in a certain place, no matter how many times you think you're going to see each other, you're not going to see each other like the way you did. And those things all factor into the, the moves you make. And I've always said, I'd rather have something a little bit smaller, uh, but in a place that I like, in a place that my friends are and my family are, because I grew up without a mother. My family was everything, my brother and sister, and I would never want to be far away from them. Um, so there's always something good that comes out of it, and time marches on. Who thought we'd still have the pandemic? Now we have another version of it. I don't know what to believe anymore. 
But I did get vaccines, so at least I hope I'm good. <laughs> okay? But when you're buying a home, Stephen, I don't know. When you um, buy a home in Canada, do people have home inspections? Um, yeah. the You know, the, the realtor industry is, you know, they're good people helping people buy and sell houses, and it's pretty common um, to be advised to have a home inspection. Um, at least it gives you a, a short list of, of potential and future maintenance items or major structural issues, you know, like a leaky basement or foundation cracks or whatever. So, um, you know, people generally 100% of the time are, are getting a home inspection on, a, on a, a residential resale purchase for sure. And even on a resale condominium purchase, they're getting home inspections. So I, I think it's pretty important. And a lot of lenders want to know that the house is um, is fine. I mean, you know, there's there's other inspection issues on commercial properties like, you know, contaminated land, right? I mean, you know you can't get financing if you, you know, have a property, an office building or a, a, a shopping mall and there's some historical contamination that needs to be remediated, which is expensive and which will, will also disallow you getting any financing, traditional financing. So, yeah, people are more cautious. It's, it's more in the public's best interest, and it's, it's common roughly 100% of the time. True. And I have to tell you my advice, do not buy a home without having a home inspection. Now, some people say, yeah, but if I bought a new home, I don't have one. I don't need one. And that's not true. Okay? You need to have a home inspection, whether the home is new or not. And you're not looking to nitpick because even a brand new home is going to have things wrong with it. You're looking for major, major big things that are going to really be a lot of money and that you didn't anticipate. Um, so before, you know... So you, you want to make sure choosing the right inspector is also an important thing. And don't choose an inspector for the wrong reasons. Okay, when you choose an inspector, you should be selecting a professional who will give you one of the your biggest investments, full, full physical checkup. It's like giving the house a checkup. You want to choose someone you know who is competent, trustworthy, okay, the other thing I highly recommend, okay, that you pick a time that you can meet the inspector at the home that you are currently thinking of buying and make sure that you go through the home with him and ask them, is this a minor thing? How much about is this going to cost? Because if you get an engineer's report, even on a brand new house, I think you'll wanna, you, you, you're going to want to kill yourself. They all sound bad, Okay. So you want to really know, you're not looking to nitpick. You want to know the big, big items that are, are outstanding. I think we have a break coming. Okay. And don't expect your home inspector to be a psychic and he cannot tell you whether you should buy the home or not. But get several estimates on repairs before closing and get an idea if he says find fault. 
of what that's going to cost you so that you know ahead of time before you get into the house. We'll be right back. We're going to talk a little bit more about inspections. AM970 The Answer is bringing Dr. Lederman's expertise in alternative cancer treatments to prime time every Monday night at 7. Dr. Lederman is triple board certified in radiation oncology, medical oncology, and internal medicine, and is the first physician to perform non-invasive body radiosurgery in the Western Hemisphere, treating thousands of patients covering nearly every size, site, and type of cancer, large and small, primary and metastatic. Listen to Dr. Lederman Monday night at 7 on AM970 The Answer. You have all helped support my pillow and their employees in these tough economic times. Mike Lindell knows this and continues to give back to listeners with deals on his most popular products. You've heard me recently speak about the My Slippers, Giza Sheets, My Pillow 2.0, and more. Great news. The My Pillow 6-pack bath towel sets are back in stock. They are extremely absorbent yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with two bath towels two hand towels, and two washcloths. Regular price is $79.98 for a limited time. You can get this six-pack towel set for only $39.99 with promo code P. That's a 50% savings. Go to MyPillow.com. Call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code P to save 50% on the MyPillow six-pack towel sets. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. We've been talking about Plaza College's court reporting program all year long. Well, Plaza College, on behalf of the New York State Court Reporters Association, is proud to announce this year's one-day convention, A Steno State of Mind. A Steno State of Mind is being held at the historic Eastern District Courthouse on Sunday, October the 22nd, from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. in Brooklyn, New York. This full-day event inside the famously historic courthouse will bring members of the court reporting community, working reporters, and students together for six seminars celebrating this high-powered profession. You know what that means? Working court reporters, you will earn six NCRA-approved CEUs and the latest industry insight. For more information and to view the exciting agenda, visit nyscra.org slash 2023 fall convention. Again, register today at nyscra.org slash 2023 Fall Convention. Get yourself in a steno state of mind. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv and on local now, channel 525. Our hosts all look like GQ models. See them now at am970theanswer.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and I'm here with Stephen Moranis. We're listening to Eye on Real Estate. And uh, oh, I just got an email from somebody in a text from uh, somebody who said uh, they would like to live on a road. What's the name? Oh, on this road. 
which is called Climax Road. Okay, this is a pretty nice road to live on. Uh, we are here with a special guest, and I think it's, you know, we've had a lot of kind of crazy news. The housing market's doing its thing. Uh, what happened with Israel and Palestine is a horror. Um, I would like to talk about some things that's close to my heart that I love doing, and I'm sure, Stephen, you do too. Um, we have Joseph, Joseph Marini. He's the author of Mastering the Art of Entertaining, and I love to entertain. Um, Joseph Marini has been captivated with home economics since his first class in grade school. Since that time, he's honed his skills to include all aspects of creating an authentic, inviting social environment at home. And today, he is a renowned of, for his enterprising and entertaining skills. Noted for his nod etiquette, Joseph is an expert on how to host well from serving the perfect canopy to creating a tabletop prop plaza to averting a conversation crisis at a dinner table. Well, sometimes I like to do that, but I don't think you should. Um, at the core of his teachings is the understanding that entertaining is about creating community and nurturing people through the intimacy of home. Joseph lives in Florida with his husband and their family of beautiful dogs. Good morning or close to good afternoon, Joseph. I'm good afternoon, Dottie. You. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you for I'm, having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, listen, I love to entertain. And, of course, I have a family. I, I think I said at the beginning of the show my mom died when I was little. I was 10, and I was the oldest. So I've kept all the holidays and everything together. And every holiday, um, again, and my family married all different religions and stuff, so we celebrate basically a lot of different holidays, and I have a lot of friends. Uh, and I love that. I love making people happy. And I think there's an art to it. Um, and I'd love to hear some of the tips that you have to share that really help people entertain because, you know, in a, and, and I think you said it all. It's really nurturing, inviting people to your house and really creating community and conversation. And it's kind of sure beats a restaurant. It sure does. Yes. There, and there is a lot of, of work that goes into doing it, but that's, that's sort of the fulfilling part of entertaining. It's not just about the party, but it's about what comes before it and about what comes after it. So what tips can you tell us? I mean, we're going to read your book because I definitely want to get it. But tell us some of the tips that, that you know, or some of the things that come to your head and we can borrow your book. Do you have a website? I do have a website. Um, it's at homewithjoseph.com. Joseph.com, because I'll post it on my site also. Joseph.com. Yep, it's at homewithjoseph.com. At homewithjoseph.com. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And um, the, the book is also available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and Target as well. Oh, great. Yep. So you've been into this your whole life, basically, right? I mean, how did you get started? I did. Well, I grew up in a family that, um, much like you said about what you did, um, all the holidays were hosted at our home and birthday parties and 
Um, I grew up with, you know, my mom hosting all of these parties and I was the uh, youngest of the family, but I was always the one who stayed in the kitchen with her and helped her set the table. And I remember that whole experience growing up. Um, and I professionally went into catering and event design um, as when I got older. So for uh, 20 years, I did that professionally. And uh, but then also liked to do it for myself and, and invite friends and family over and entertain for them. So I've been doing it for a long time. And what are some of the tips that, you know, I mean, look, obviously you want to read this book and go on the website, but what are some of the tips that you can tell us? Well, you know, the thing about entertaining is really remembering that um, it's about being your authentic self to create community with the people around you. And I talk a lot about <clears throat> entertaining at home because I think that we in today's society are missing bringing people back into our homes. And I think that that gives a really personal nature yes. to people getting to know who you are. And a lot of people find it difficult or, you know, they, they get stressed out about it, but it's really just about letting your home reflect who you are, bringing people into it to get to know them better and more personally. Um, and so entertaining, not, not only just for holidays, but just for a nothing occasion, maybe just bringing people together and just saying, you know, I want to bring 10 of my friends together and have an evening and, and um, share some laughter over good food and make a connection and create a memory. I, oh, I know. And, and, and I think you wrote that homes, as we do, have a pulse. They have a past, a present, and a future, and they reflect who we are. And they are they the do. of our lives. And so, oh, I just have to tell you, funny, I, uh, I grew up with Barbie, okay? My daughter kind of liked her, but... She was not not like I had her, played with her every day. And mm -hmm. uh, my granddaughter, I don't know. She knows who she is, but she might have had it. But she. But when Barbie's uh, movie came out, and it was like, I just was compelled to have a Barbie party. And I did. And I had, I don't know. I ended up with, you know, I don't know how many. I must have ended up with... Uh, <laughs> 203, I, people crashed, but everyone came dressed as Barbie and Ken. And it was just <laughs> so much fun. It was just it really a hoot. Okay? And I personally, I guess I got happiness from seeing so many people happy. Sure, yeah. Well, and, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the understanding of a really good host, right? They understand that whether you're making the food, whether you're having your function catered at any time during the party, you're there to make sure that your guests enjoy themselves. So you still have a job to do yes. and you have to balance being able to enjoy yourself, but also being very present and attentive that the rest of your guests are enjoying themselves. And I think that's the hardest thing to master when um, learning how to host a good party but I also think if you're really enjoying what you're doing, it somewhat comes naturally. You just have it to shows. remember you're not a guest at your party. You are the host. And your friends and family have taken the time out of their lives to come and share the day with you. So your most important goal 
is making sure that at any point in your event, they're really having a great time. That's so true. And you just can't hang around with just this little clique of people that maybe you're better friends with. You've got to make sure everyone's having a good time. Um, Correct. Let me ask you. So you became an expert on entertaining. And so what? So the tips that you give the average entertainer, basically mm -hmm. besides for what they serve and I mean, to me, it's not only what they serve, it's kind of just the gathering, the people, sometimes the music. Mm -hmm. uh, what mm -hmm. tips can you give the average entertainer? You know, uh, I think first and foremost, uh, it, it, I appreciate you saying that I'm an expert at entertaining, and I wouldn't call myself an expert because with every party that I have, I learn something new, and that's that's the thing about being a host and entertaining and throwing parties is that there's always something that's going to go wrong or there's it's never going to be perfect. It's most important that it's thoughtful. And I continue to learn every time I host a party, something may not work out, but as a host, I know how to handle it so that the guests don't necessarily notice it. And so I usually tell people, if you want to, if, if you're new at it and you want to host a party, Keep it small. Think about the people that you know. Invite, you know, maybe two really good friends that if things start going south, they can help pitch in to sort of pull you out of being stressed out. But also try to invite some newer people that you may not know to help, you know, uh, solidify friendships or get to know them better. And keep your party simple. You know, if you're not a cook and you, you, you just you don't know how to cook or you don't like to, don't cook. You know, there's so many resources now for getting very good prepared foods. And Absolutely. maybe you get some prepared foods. Maybe you maybe you cook some. But I think most importantly, just make sure you get really good quality food with whatever your budget can afford. But really where you need to put your efforts is in the presentation of it. You know, it makes a huge difference when you're inviting somebody to your home and you just put things out on plastic trays that are from the grocery store right. versus taking the time to remove all of that stuff and put it on your platters and set a pretty table. And that's going to make, you know, you don't think of it, but your guests are going to notice whether you took the time to really elevate something so that when they come in, they notice that versus did you just throw it on the table on a plastic tray? Oh, that's and, so true. Yeah, those, those little things point, make a difference. But getting back to your original point, it's personal. I mean, it's personal. So, oh, I think we have a break coming up. We just have to hold that thought. We'll be right back. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. This is an urgent announcement for anyone that's $10,000 or more in debt. Before you make another minimum payment, you need to know there are special programs that can completely free you of your debt. Total Financial Freedom can help you become debt-free in months instead of years. Resolve your credit card debt, signature loans, department store cards, internet loans, and timeshares. Call now at 800-533-6605 for a free consultation. 
For 16 years, Total Financial Freedom has helped thousands get out of debt. You can feel confident when calling because Total Financial Freedom is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and a Christian-owned company. Don't get stuck in the endless cycle of payments. You have the right to get your debt resolved and substantially reduce your monthly payments. Call Christian-owned Total Financial Freedom now at 800-533-6605. That's 800-533-6605. 800-533-6605. We are proud, proud to serve, to serve our country, to serve our local communities, to wear the uniform, to be a soldier, to serve abroad when and where duty calls. We are ready to stand with our brothers and sisters to defend, to serve, to fight. We're always ready. We're always there. We are the New York Army National Guard. Sponsored by the New York Army National Guard. Hi, folks. It's Arthur Idala of the Power Hour every night here on AM 970 at 6 p.m. We try to bring you a lot of fun, a lot of energy with a lot of facts, a lot of inside scoop from the courtroom and from the streets of the city of New York with our special guests and our regular co-hosts, Sambolino, Joni, Alex, and whoever happens to be walking around the office. Tune in weeknights at 6 p.m. The first of three straight road games takes the 4-1 and one Orange to Chapel Hill to meet number 14 and unbeaten North Carolina. Orange pregame 2.30, kickoff 3.30 Saturday on AM 970, The Answer. New York's home for Syracuse University football. That's Orange football today at 2.30 on AM 970, The Answer. As a local business owner, you get called every week by marketing companies. We get it. We have hundreds of satisfied customers. Here's what a satisfied client recently said. Open enrollment is going great. We're hitting record numbers. Thank you so much for this report. It really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, Google Salem Surround New York right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Google Salem Surround New York today. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and I am here uh, with Joseph Marini. He's the author of Mastering the Art of Entertaining, and you can get that on Amazon. Um, and we're talking about entertaining, and I th- I think you answered that you know it it can be small it can be big but when it's in your home it's it's personal and it reflects who you are and it just just has a better feel to it it's I I guess let's let's say more more personal than you know in a restaurant where it's really informal and I'm not saying there are not times to have it at restaurants but I just think the home is special. Now, let me ask you, some people might say, well, what if I don't have the best china? What if I don't have all the, you know, just can't you still have a nice party even if you don't have the best? I mean, like I've gone to parties yeah. where, I mean, I know God knows the china was got a fortune and this and that, and they're just, there's 20 million people they're helping. But what if you don't have that? I still don't think it makes a big difference. I think it makes, it, it, I think it's intimate when you have less people. It, it is. You know, it's, 
it's not important what you have or what you own. Again, it's, it's really about your authenticity and why you're having these people in your home. If you really let people see who you are, they're not going to care what kind of dishes you have. Or again, it goes back to being thoughtful about using what you do have. And so, you know, really being thoughtful about how you might put things together or, you know, if you want to do something special, I think people think that they have to run out and buy uh, themed plates for fall or Christmas plates for whatever. I always tell people, and I have this in the book, buy a basic set of white stuff. You can put anything with it. If you want to do a different colored napkin, you can do that, right? You don't have to have a lot of stuff. Um, and the other thing I tell people is make make your table settings personal. Put something of interest that maybe it's something that you got in your travels or, uh, you know, I collect crystals. And so sometimes I put crystals of different colors that coordinate on the table or, you know, in my travels to France, I'll get something and I'll put one on everybody's play setting, which creates a conversation starter. So it's really about engagement and, and again, making people feel comfortable rather than the things that you own because you're trying to impress them. You're so right. And by the way, what, you know, I have white dishes too. And I find that you're absolutely correct on that because you can put on the holidays, you can do, you know, kind of red or holiday colors. And if it's the fall or it's Halloween, you can put witches. I mean, you can really take white and do anything with it and make it, you know, put some candles and the colors. So I think that that's a really great tip. Let me ask you, if you were to, I mean, and I'm sure there, we all make mistakes and there's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with that. Nobody does anything perfect all the time. But if you had to say what is a common mistake that you see in entertaining, what would that be? I think the number one is lack of understanding of preparation. And what I mean by that is I think most people wait till the day of the event to start thinking about setting their table, uh, cleaning the house, um, where are the candles, you know, this is stuff that you should do days in advance, get your dishes set out, get, if you're using candles, get them set out, pick what music you want to have ready. Um, think about the lights and the lamps and everything that you want to turn on in your house, have all that prepared because come the day of the party, you have to think about welcoming guests, executing, getting them in, <clears throat> getting them settled with a drink, maybe getting food prepared or working with caterers in the kitchen. So the day of the party, there's so much going on. And I don't think people understand that the more you can pre-plan, the easier it is to host a party and the less stressful it is because all that you then have to worry about is what's physically happening on that day. Oh, that's such good advice. So, but I'm like you. I don't. I don't wait to the last minute. I have to kind of get that. I, I'd be. I'd be so stressed out if I had to wait for the last <laughs> right. minute and start figuring out. Oh, what dishes <laughs> am I going to use? What candles am I going to have? I mean, I would be totally stressed out. And I, 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 I think that, uh, as you said, if you if you're not used to entertaining a lot, you should start small and and don't mm -hmm. try to overwhelm yourself. 
but mm-hmm. it's also the people and it's engaging with them and making them feel good and I think that it's really special when it's at your house don't get me wrong I love eating out and I love restaurants but there's just something more intimate about letting mm-hmm. people into your home when yeah it comes and you know what it is state, where would you say though and I didn't mean to interrupt but I just if That's you were okay. where would you say the uh, most popular place to entertain in one's home. Now that can vary based on the size of your home, I would guess, but. It does, and it varies on the layout of your home, right? Some people live in very open concept homes, and so there is no delineation of rooms to 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 separate people. I happen to like a very traditional style home where there are different rooms that people can right. walk into. If you want to have a, a a little bit more of a softer conversation one-on-one with somebody, you can go into another room. You know, it, it you can also place food and bar and other items, maybe desserts around in different rooms that keep it flowing because I think one of the best aspects of a successful party is when people can flow. They're not just standing in one spot for the entire time and feel stuck. Um, And that's something that you want to think about when you're hosting a party is even if it is an open concept or even if you do live in an apartment, right, have different areas of the space that people can go to to get something different, see a new face, start a new conversation. Um, You always have to keep people flowing. And that's what makes a party interesting. Oh, absolutely. And if you don't have a big space, you can kind of try to mix it up. I know that I have a a finished basement that's pretty big. And a lot of times I'll get, if there's kids coming, I'll set stuff Mm -hmm. up for them. I'll set stuff downstairs for them. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll have a clown or sometimes I'll have something to keep them busy. And any outdoor space that you have as well, it's so helpful you know, if the weather is okay, not only just opening it up to let people go out there, but put something out there, put your bar out there, put put a food table of food out there, you know, get them to use all the different spaces of your home that you don't mind them being in. Yeah, that's a good idea to, to space things out so that they don't get stuck in one little place. Mm-hmm. That's a really good idea. I I I I can't tell you enough how how useful this is and how how um, beneficial it is because I you know I think people do their best but as you said like if you go to the you know even if you're having a lunch and you're just getting deli cold cuts and things of that nature if you put them on those original plastic plates mm-hmm. it kind of looks like you didn't really take the time to care enough and also Correct. I think I also think as when I'm the hostess, that even though you're getting pulled in a million directions, that's important to engage with the people, you know, it to is. be part of that. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, I think that um, if you can get some friends to be helpful, you know, if you don't have the money to get caterers or, or extra, maybe you can have some friends or family members that will help you so that you can really kind of, keep everything moving and maybe introduce people that don't know each other. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I do, usually every party that I host in my home, I try to invite one or two new people that I've met to meet other friends of mine and and get to know and become part of the group. And usually what I do is I'll, depending on what I know about that person, 
I'll already have in my head somebody else that I do know well where they have a similar connection in some area of life. And the minute they come into the party, I'll greet them, but I'll introduce the two and I'll mention the connection between the two and I'll let them start a conversation, maybe suggest they go to the bar, get a cocktail, but get them to engage so that that new person feels comfortable um, and it allows, you know, that other person to then introduce them to other people. You can do what you have to do, and then you can circle back around to then finish a conversation or check in, say hello, or, you know, whatever you need to do. That's such good advice. I know we don't have much time left. You'll have to come on again. But let me ask you, um, do you have a best entertaining story? Oh, goodness. Um, and that's probably hard. It is, it, you know, it is, I, I don't even know what it would be. Um, I, I can just tell you that there are some times when I've had parties that I've wanted to teach people about etiquette. <laughs> um, because I just think uh, some, t some people just don't have it. But I've had people eat food uh, past hors d'oeuvres right off of the tray and put their toothpick oh, yeah. and napkin right back on the tray with the food. Okay, now wait, wait. Okay, this is, so, like, if you saw that, would you say anything, or you just kind of look the other way? I would, I would never say anything, because you never want to shame a guest. But I would, I would go back to the kitchen, and I would put together a new tray of food. <laughs> I love it. You have been amazing, and I really would hope that you'd come back, because... I would love to. We love to entertain, and people love to entertain. And I really think that there's a little bit of an art to it. Uh, and you don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to have the best china. You just have to know how to do it right. Um, so yep. thank you so much. Enjoy thank your weekend. You, I hope you will come on again. And everyone I would listening love to, to thank Iron you. Real Estate and Stephen, thank you for co-hosting this show with me. Uh, we'll be back next week. And please... If there's any topics that you want to hear, send them to me. Okay? Dottie Herman. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>